when they're actually courting, the male hummingbird will fly rapidly back and forth in this kind of big upside down parabolic shape, back okay. and forth in front of the female who's just there with her wings going, woo, woo, woo. And it's actually incredible because it's a very even, perfect parabolic curve. It's forming an arc. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to The Sill Podcast, perspectives on art and technology with Peter Noche and Harry Posner. Episode 79, Time Trek, Spanning the Ages. Time Trek. How did we come about Time Trek? Time Trek. It's a brand new tributary, as I like to call our little alternative segments, including Transcendent Tunes, Digging Words, mm. and The Undefinable Spirit. Time Trek is a way of going into the past, grabbing a hold of a moment in time when something powerful happened, something interesting, something that reverberates through history into mm. the present time, that we can kind of follow its progress through history, talk about its importance, all the offshoots of its development. So, for example, mm. today we're going to talk about something that people, in a sense, take for granted. We see it everywhere in our lives, every day, Close to your heart because you've done architectural studies. It's also my ancestors. And your ancestors, yes, of course. Because what we're going to look at is the idea of and the physicality of the arch. One of the strongest design structures known to man. And such a powerful physical symbol mm -hmm. when we see it in architecture, in bridges, in cathedrals, in all kinds of contexts. And it also has sort of spiritual, psychological affectations on us when we experience being under or near an arch or an arcing form. Which kind of aligns with its structural significance. Yeah, right. It's been around for a couple of thousand years. Originally, back with the Sumerians, Mesopotamia, they had originally created the arch design, as well as the Greeks and the Etruscans. Mm -hmm. But the ones who really elevated it to the level that it is today were the Romans. Now, let's talk about that in a minute. But I just want to say something about the Sumerians and the Mesopotamian culture that the Sumerians were part of. Mm -hmm. Sumer was really credited as being the beginnings of civilization, of city-states, of Ur, Uruk. The Sumerians created writing Yes, they, they, they worked with the wheel as a foundational support system in their culture. There's all kinds of advances that happened during the civilization of Sumer. Mm -hmm. And the arch is one of those things that kind of came into being as an architectural idea, as an idea to reinforce tunnels, let's say, mm -hmm. in cave cities. And just to put it into context, the Sumerian civilization ran concurrent with the Egyptian civilization. Yeah, we were talking 3500 BC, although the Egyptians... Started around 
the other way around. Yeah, so in a way, similar time frame. Mm-hmm. So let's fast forward that because here are the Romans picking up the ideas from the Etruscans and really doing what with this? Well, the first thing they did, which was pivotal with the arch, was they created a material that allowed them to expand the arch beyond what it had been used up to that point. They developed concrete uh-huh. from ash using volcanic ash and lime. Right. And it was a brand new material that had never been used before, which was much stronger mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and could be used for more expansive building. So the arch in itself was already a very strong structure by design because it disperses the weight. That's what gives the arch strength. There are two types of things that go on with an arch. There's what they call compressive stress Mm -hmm. and tensile stress. Those are the two main forces known in architectural and engineering design. Mm -hmm. So compressive strength is the ability of a material or structure to take weight. A load. Load Load-bearing. That's where the word load-bearing comes from. Right. Tensile is shearing stress. So, for example, on an arch, the weight is on the top. As you press down on an arch, the weight transposes or spreads out through the arch to the base of the arch, Mm -hmm. but pushes outward. Yeah. That's where you get the tension. That's why you need abutments or foundational structures to hold the arch in place. Right. So, because of its strength to support weight already as a design structure... Then you add the element of concrete, Mm -hmm. which is strong material, which allows you to span that arch further. Right. So up to that point, arches were used in doorways. They were used in open spaces that had fairly limited range. They were very strong, but they did not have the expansive stretch. Mm -hmm. Whereas the Romans now, with the material and added design, they now create aqueducts and dome structures. Domes, by the way, were developed as a result of the arch because then you create vaults, which are a series of arches and so on. Kind of adjacent to each other. Mm -hmm. Now, do you know offhand whether the Romans used concrete to create specific blocks of arches or did they have poured concrete? They had both. Really? In fact, the Pantheon was a poured dome. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To this day, it's the largest dome structure without reinforced steel. Wow, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. It's an amazing structure if you've never seen it. Mm -hmm. What they also did was, because the idea was to not only create strength, but reduce the weight factor. Yes. So what the Romans did on top of creating this dome structure in the Pantheon, they carved out the inside. And if you've ever been in the Pantheon, you look up at the ceiling and you'll see these pockets Mm -hmm. of elevated areas. But imagine an inverted elevation where you're actually going into the structure. Right. So the strength is still there, but you're reducing the weight by taking out sections. Uh-huh. So the Romans really went to town with the arch. In fact, the design principles of the Romans are still being used today. When you think about arching architecture, you have to think about the medieval Gothic cathedrals, the vaulted ceilings. Mm-hmm. That, as I understand it, they're more pointed arches, horseshoe, catenary. There are, how many did you say, 20-something? There's roughly 30 types. 30 types of arches, from horseshoe arches to circular to parabolic to catenary or chain-like arches. Ellipses. There's a whole vast supply of arch shapes that architects have used. And then there's the combination of those arches. For example, that's what vaults are. Vaults are a combination of arches placed in certain 
configuration. Right. So they're very, very strong structures. And apparently the pointed arch was really good for the Gothic cathedrals because they're looking for height and narrowness. Mm -hmm. And that particular type of arch is really good and strong for that kind of function. A good example of that is the one in St. Louis, 630 Uh feet high. It's the The tallest man-made arch in the world. The gateway. The gateway arch. arch. Yeah. Actually, I use that in one of my books, that that landmark. Speaking of gateway, it has the name gateway. The arch... Over the centuries, the arch has also been symbolic yes. of entrances and gateways Port- to things. Portals mm-hmm. and often used by military, like Napoleon creating the L'Arc de Triomphe you know, to parade through whenever he would have a great victory on the field of battle. Mm-hmm. So they came to represent a symbol of power in a way, if you think about it, mm-hmm. used in that way, very powerful symbol. Aesthetically very pleasing. Yes. The other thing about the arch, too, is when you think about where the idea must have come from, well, you have to think nature. Where else? Absolutely. And when you look at nature and the way arches and curves happen, you see them everywhere. Caves are a perfect example. Natural formations, natural caves that have been hollowed out Mm -hmm. through erosion of water or what have you. Uh, Boughs of trees, bowers, Mm -hmm. where these uh, kind of arches happen naturally in forests. And it makes sense that... Those are what you still see because they're the strongest structures. Yeah, and all they had to do was look down at their feet mm-hmm. to actually see how the arch functions. Well, in fact, if you think about it, a 200-pound man or a 150-pound woman relative to size and so on, the arch is incredibly strong. It's supporting your entire body weight Yeah, and affecting your movement. That's why people that have so-called flat feet mm-hmm. uh, end up having other related problems or the transfer of weight kind of inhibits them in some way. Yeah. Because the arch on the foot is designed to carry the body. So you've got a combination of aesthetic beauty and extra strength. Mm -hmm. A great combination, really. Another application of the arch idea, because we're talking about the arch as an idea, not just as a thing itself, but the potential energy in a curved tensile Structure, structure like a piece of wood or a branch attached with strings on the end mm-hmm. and then the string pulled back, pulling the ends of the arch inward. Right. And then when the release of the arrow happens, it flings the bow outwards at the base. Right. And that potential energy becomes kinetic energy. Yes. And that's the exact same force that is actually happening on an arch, which does not translate into the bow popping out. But those are the forces that are existing in that structure. Right. So working with tensility and potential energy becoming kinetic energy. The energy of the bow, an arrow, that's exactly what it does is it takes that energy and releases it. Ballistics. Right. And so what you have is the arc of the bow, the arc of the arrow... And you have really the whole idea of ballistics kind of being born out of that notion and the science of it and trajectories of different projectiles. So you have the catapult arcing heavy rocks. Mm -hmm. On any kind of projectile, gravity imposes that kind of a curve on an object traveling forward at a certain mass. Sure. And everything arcs, nothing is a straight line because as you reduce the speed, the downward pull increases. So the meteors falling to Earth, they don't fall straight down in a straight line because they're in a kind of orbit 
being mm-hmm. pulled by gravity kind of in this elliptical way towards the planet. Exactly. Right? So there's another example. It's almost like a tangential, if you've ever seen a tangent on a curve. It's Right. And same thing with reentry on space vehicles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that bounce effect. They need the speed in order to break that particular yeah. uh, momentum has to be achieved in order for them to break the barrier or they bounce off into space. Right. And so from the darkness of outer space to the frigid wastelands of the North and South Pole, the Inuit cultures mm-hmm. in the North, what are their structures look like? Igloos. Igloos, domes, mm-hmm. strength, right? Increasing interior space without reducing structural strength. Mm-hmm. Box, box. So, what's your story? We know what the dome was made of, concrete that's now almost 2,000 years old. But no one knows exactly how it was made. Some say it was poured in one piece on the ground and then lifted into position. But modern engineers are still baffled as to how this would have been accomplished. And what about that big hole in the middle? This is the oculus. The eye of the Pantheon, or the Oculus, has been shown to be a structural factor in its own right. Engineers tell us it's not just a hole, it's a compression ring that effectively distributes the compression forces that normally stress a dome at its apex, allowing the dome of the Pantheon to outlast dozens of other ancient domes. This Oculus is 27 feet across, allowing enough sunlight to pour in to reflect off the marble surfaces to light up the whole interior. 27 feet across. The very fact that this dome still exists is one of its most amazing features. Keep in mind, this is made entirely of concrete without one ounce of reinforcing steel rods. Nothing like this would ever be approved for building today, especially with a diameter of 143 feet. So there are all of these applications. We see it in the Taj Mahal, that curving. We see it, as you say, in the St. Louis, Missouri gateway arch, even in Toronto at at the exhibition here, Mm -hmm. the uh, Dufferin Gates is an arch, Mm -hmm. right? So that's a gateway. All the Islamic mosques. Yeah, they're all domed. We were talking today about a building called the Goetheanum in Switzerland, Switzerland. in Dornach, Switzerland, that uh, Rudolf Steiner designed. He designed it twice, but it's the first one, which is mostly wood, burned down, and he designed another one. But when you look at the pictures of the Goetheanum, he's incorporated this sort of flowing, curving, wavy, organic element to the buildings that make them look very fluid and very feng shui-like when you think about... Yeah, that's what curves do. They soften Mm -hmm. the structure. They soften the look. There's a psychological thing we also associate with curves. Yeah, which brings us to the kind of the idea that the curve, in a sense, represents an aspect of the feminine or the goddess. Yes. And I was just thinking the other day that we live in a kind of patriarchally dominant society. We have to admit that. Mm-hmm. See Donald Trump and his ilk. Yeah. And when you think about it, we tend to fill our environment with curving shapes that sort of soften offset that and balance that linearity that's associated with Mm -hmm. mother earth for example which is almost the perfect globe not quite but almost it's a circle herself yeah gaia gaia the horizon line when you look out you're seeing a gentle curve Mm -hmm. right the longest time people thought the world was flat Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, the men thought it was flat the men (laughs) women knew better (laughs) 
But yeah, so the human body itself is prone to curving. Look at uh, Da Vinci's Vitruvius Man, mm-hmm. this famous image of the man. Inside the circle. Inside the circle, his arms out, his legs out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also a square, so he's got the right. squared and the circle. But if you just throw your hands over your head, you're creating an arc. Exactly. Or you know. children playing in the snow, snow angels, same thing. Yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. For me, there's so many wonderful, innocent, and lovely moments to do with arcs. For example, my brother and I, when mm. we were kids, would spend hours throwing a baseball back and forth, playing catch. Right. The simple game of catch. What is it? It's arcing a ball back and forth for as long as you Virtually every sport associated with balls, basketball, football, football, soccer. Yeah. It's all about trajectory in a sense. Yeah. Projectiles, curving, Mm -hmm. understanding the forces of gravity. Yeah. And there's something just very comforting almost about that. Mm -hmm. Uh, That activity of arcing an object back and forth. There's something about it which is wonderful. It connects you to the air yes. that it arcs through. There's a sense of wonder that this thing, that we can kind of control somewhat how far the object goes and that sort of thing. Yeah, and so the arch in itself really was born out of man's ability to observe nature. Yep, that's right. Look at the hummingbird dance, for example. I don't know if you've ever seen a hummingbird dance. Talking about the, the typical flight pattern? Well, it's actually when they're actually courting, the male hummingbird will fly rapidly back and forth in this kind of big upside down parabolic shape, back and forth in front of the female who's just there with her wings going, woo, woo, woo. And it's actually incredible because it's a very even, perfect parabolic curve. It's forming an arc. Yeah. Uh, So hummingbirds do it, the bees do it, the birds do it. Wasn't there a book like that? Isn't Isn't that a book? Yeah. Yeah. Think of of the rainbow. Mm -hmm. There's another wonderful curve. Perfect. You know, somewhere over the rainbow and the rainbow coalition. Harry, Harry, are you auditioning? (laughs) Yeah, I want to be Judy Garland in my next lifetime. Okay. yeah, the Rainbow Coalition, yes. Jesse Jackson. Right. So the symbolism of the arch of the curve, including branding, as in McDonald's. For sure, McDonald's really milked that one. Oh, sure. Absolutely. The golden arches. The golden arches mm-hmm. as a gateway, mm-hmm. I guess. Gateway to, to hamburgers. To the ultimate burger. <laughs> 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 but there's that, and mm-hmm. the mundane and the profane, and then you get the spiritual. Yes. These wonderful domes. Look at the Sistine Chapel. Mm-hmm. It would not be the same experience gazing up at Michelangelo's masterpiece if that were a flat, oh, horizontal exactly. ceiling. Because it's a dome. Mm-hmm. It, but he actually incorporated that into his actual design. He yes. He considered the fact that he was painting a dome structure and not a flat surface. Right, right. So he changed his actual painting style and accommodated that specific space. Yeah. And it works, of course, wondrously. Mm-hmm. And it just wouldn't be the same if it weren't. It automatically gives you a sense of depth. Yep. Because you're viewing it at different depths just by looking at it straight on. Train tunnels, Mm -hmm. subway tunnels, the tube, all of these things are intimately connected. So what can we say? The arch as an idea, as a form, Mm -hmm. is ever-present, is really one of the ideal forms that we've kind of discovered. You wouldn't say we created it because nature 
gave it to us. Nature gave it to us, really. But it's been a very significant factor in our civilizations. Yes. Everywhere you go, Mm -hmm. there's arches everywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. And I'd invite everyone listening to walk out of your house or apartment or wherever you are now, your car, and just look around you and see where the arch lives. You'll find that it's everywhere you look. Mm -hmm. It's also psychologically and physically a deflector. Oh, if you think about shields, if you think about because what you're doing is you're creating a round surface which does not allow any specific point to absorb that impact. Perfect. Which means that if you think about it psychologically, Mm -hmm. it's a great way of thinking about dealing with negative energy coming at you. Exactly. Letting it sort of roll off the curvature Mm -hmm. of your soul, Mm -hmm. so to speak. Yeah. uh, And not bouncing it back as a hard surface would, a flat Mm -hmm. surface. Mm -hmm. That's a great therapeutic idea of working with the arch or the curve or the arc. Yeah, again, it's about uh, deflecting or absorbing stresses. Sure. And then speaking of which... Absorbing stresses, deflecting them, dealing with them. In literature, mm-hmm. there is a concept called the narrative arc okay, or the character yep. arc, mm-hmm. which is that the story, if it's to be effective, should take the reader on this kind of arcing journey from the beginnings of the story, the context, wherever it is, the character going through all kinds of difficulties and climaxing in a moment of revelation and change and and then finding a new position in the world, a new way of thinking about themselves in the world. It's a character arc, a character change. Same thing in music, crescendos. Mm-hmm, sure. Same idea. You elevate the levels, yeah. you bring them to a climactic point, and then you ease them out. Yeah, yeah. That's right. So we've used the idea, the notion of the arch, the curve, the arc, everywhere. Mm-hmm. Also with China, when you think about it, the classic symbol that we associate with China is the yin-yang, mm-hmm. which is these two curving kind of droplets snugged together, one white, one black. Also representing male and female. Representing male and female. But the whole thing is curved in every part of it. There is no straight, sharp mm-hmm. edges, lines, mm-hmm. etc. Yep. How do we arch our way out of this conversation? Okay, well, we're just going to follow the yellow brick arch and climb our way and snuggle our way over top of it to the treasure at the end. Ciao, Peter, at the end. Ciao, Harry. Ciao, Peter. The Sill Podcast. Perspectives on Art and Technology is a Connecting Dots Media production. Available at thesillpodcast.com.